Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Welcome back for part two of our March Madness Prospect Profile Evaluation Extravaganza. I'll have Bryce Hendricks, one of the co-hosts of the Upside Swings podcast, rejoining me here in a minute to talk about all the players that are going to be playing in Friday, first round matchups in the NCAA tournament. If you missed part one, go back and check it out. There's still time. Even if you're catching these uh, after those two days have taken place, they'll still apply a lot of them for later rounds of the tournament or even just come draft time. So it's still worth checking out. So go back and make sure you listen to part one if you haven't done that yet. Again, still think it'll be helpful for you or anybody try to catch up on the draft. Before we get to our part two with Bryce, let's just do another word from our sponsor, Bet Online. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with the greatest contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use the mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEF, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, part two, Bryce Hendricks. We're going to be talking about all of the lottery-ish prospects that are playing on Friday of the NCAA tournament. Enjoy. Okay, Wizards fans, I'm back with Bryce Hendricks. We've got part two coming up here. This is now Friday's game slate for round one of the NCAA tournament. Bryce, thanks for coming back. I hope you're ready to uh, to talk some more prospects here. More than ready. This is a blast. All right, let's hit it. Uh, first game of the day. We're starting early here, starting strong. Number two, Auburn takes on number 15, Jacksonville State, who kind of backdoored their way into the tournament to some extent. They play at 12.40 p.m. on Friday. Again, that's Eastern time. Obviously, uh, we've got Jabari Smith here. Again, the Wizards are probably not going to be in a position to take Jabari unless their like 8% chance of winning the lottery pays off. So if anybody, again, doesn't know about Jabari at this point, just Google. By the time you put in J-A-B, his name will probably come up on Google and you'll see a lot of things about how very good he is. Uh, the guy I want to talk about on their team, though, more so is sophomore center, Walker Kessler, seven foot one center, averages about 12 points a game, eight rebounds. Four and a half blocks, which is insane. One over a steal, about one turnover. I'm like a big fan of Walker Kessler. Like this is actually maybe one of my like four, five favorite guys to watch in college basketball right now because again, sucker for for big men here. This guy is like an elite rim protector at the college level. I do kind of question if he can be that at the NBA level, but let's hear from the expert here. Bryce, what do you think of Walker Kessler? I have had a rough time trying to decide how good I think Walker Kessler is. I think a lot of his defense is kind of fake. And and I mean that in kind of a, not a horrible way, but Auburn is content to just let everyone run right into him. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't move around a lot. He kind of sits in the paint and blocks those shots. He is very long. He is very tall. He's, I think he's, Probably seven one seven two. That's what they list him at as seven one yeah. right now. I think. Which yeah, he actually looks to be seven one. Yeah. No, he is a giant out there, and he is a like a okay vertical athlete. He has great timing on blocks. The four point five blocks, I think, is probably a little overstated, but he is a good college rim protector. He has a good sense for how to block all these shots. But three of those blocks are people literally just throwing the ball up into his hands. I feel like because he's just very good at it's like being vertical like he he doesn't have the jump half the time he's just Mm -hmm. got like good positioning and i don't know he's just good at like not fouling too which i think is also kind of a skill yeah he's he's also 
great at keeping the ball in bounds when yeah. you block shots, like, which is always something I like. Mm-hmm. Evan Mobley did that. Love that from him. Uh, he's great at, you know, he's not always trying to just swat it out of bounds and, yeah. and stare you down. He understands like, you know, the possession will keep like, it'll, the ball will stay with them. But if I grab it or I block it to a teammate, we'll get the ball. So he's awesome at that. Uh, he is not super mobile. Uh, I don't think he's going to be super scheme versatile. He's a drop coverage big, mm-hmm. probably his whole time in the NBA, I would think. But I actually, I, I do kind of like how he maneuvers around the paint a little bit. Yeah. I think he can drop step kind of fast, mm-hmm. which is valuable for rim protecting big. I just, I have a tough time determining exactly how much of that translates because so many of the great rim protectors in the NBA are, are awesome athletes, but you know, Brooke Lopez is one of the best rim protectors in the NBA, sure. and he's not an awesome athlete by any means. Yeah. Um, can Kessler reach that level? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but he's a he is a worthwhile kind of first round guy for me. I just think that production speaks for itself in some ways, and you're just going to hope that some of that defensive prowess can can translate to the NBA. He's only shooting like 20% on threes this year or something in that ballpark. It's less than two attempts a game. He's not a great free throw shooter. He's at like 60%. But this is a guy I watched like enough high school tape of that like he hit threes and stuff in high school and did like some of the stuff that Chet does now. Like in transition, he'll like just, I don't know, like elevate over a guy and shoot a three. Like he has done that. He hasn't done that at Auburn, but they also don't really want him to do that. So I do buy that like longer term. Could he knock down enough threes, like low to mid thirties to be like serviceable? Uh, I think that's realistic ish at least. Yeah. I think he can probably shoot. I mean, if you go back and watch his high school tape, like you mentioned, like he would hit like movement threes. Yeah, exactly. Which is not something he's going to do in the NBA, but I, I think that he can hit, you know, I, I, I think he can hit probably wide open ones. You know, we bought Luca Garza as like a drop killer, right? right. When you think about it oh, and obviously sure. different prospects, but Luca Garza at Walker Kessler's age, which not a shooter and Kessler has some, some upside there. He has okay touch. I think not That's great. Okay. Yeah. And the form looks fine. Um, so I, pretty I, good I, hands though. Like he catches tough mm-hmm. lobs and stuff. Oh, he does. No, I, he probably has some giant mitts on him. Yeah. He gets, he can, like even some of his blocks, he can like snatch block with one hand uh, type thing. So like he's, I, I think he can probably shoot a little bit. I, I don't think it's going to be an incredible source of offense, but I think he can get to the level where you have to guard him out there. The bigger worry is that he he's not going to be able to attack closeouts. Yeah. And he's, I don't think he's going to be a great role man either, unless you just have a super deadly pull up shooting, pull up shooting guard. I think the hope for me is that he can develop a little bit as a passer and do all right in the short roll. So if he catches in the short roll, he has the option to step into a jumper at the free throw line or hopefully bring a defender and kick to a corner, kick to a cutter, whatever that is. That's my hope for him. He hasn't shown that a ton, but also Auburn relies a lot on their guards to do all their playmaking. It's it's all Wendell Green and, and Katie Johnson and those type of guys. So I like Kessler. I really do. He's a fun watch. Auburn is a fun team. I have worries about exactly how he translates, but I think the the production and the size is it's hard not to take a bet on in the top 35-ish area. He's a guy that I'll probably have higher on my like own personal board by the time it's said and done than I should, but I also wouldn't want the Wizards to take him anywhere before like 25. So that that's like the range I think you start to consider someone like that. Next game here, we've got number three, Purdue against 14, Yale. It's a 2 p.m. start. Jaden Ivey is another name here that everybody loves in Washington. I actually don't think there's any chance of us getting him either. To me, I would actually bet money that somebody, to me, he's guaranteed to go top three. And I wouldn't shock me if he somehow like leapfrogs one of these guys and, and ends up top two. Uh, I know you've watched a ton of Jaden Ivey film here. For anybody who hasn't seen him, sort of a combo guard right now, insane athlete. 17 points a game, five rebounds, three assists, also close to three turnovers, about a 37% three-point shooter on five attempts a game. What do you think of Jaden Ivey? Jaden Ivey is really, really fun. He has some of the coolest dunks I've ever seen in my life. He, he We talked about Kendall Brown as one of the top athletes in this class. Jaden Ivey is the guy who is my pick for the top athlete in this class. It, it's pretty rare you see 6'4 dudes do like, like, 
just dunks off vert under the rim no. in, in college basketball. And he he's had a few of those where he's just and wide they bump open. their head on the backboard while they're yep. at it. Yeah, just just some crazy vertical athleticism. I will say I don't love the burst from mm-hmm. Ivy. I think he is closer to De'Aaron Fox as an athlete than John Moran, if that makes sense. That's sort of my delineation. Which is not a bad thing. It's just no, John no, is like a it's top just three different. athlete in the league, maybe, you know? Like, yeah, it's it's just different. And and what I noticed in my recent deep, deep I did a really deep dive on Jay Ivy, watched, I, I think, probably 25 of his games from this year, is I don't think there's really any chance he plays the one in the NBA. I just don't think the the craft is there. The passing is meh. And I, I, if he's not super bursty to just sort of barrel to the rim every single time, I'm not sure he can play the one. I think he's a lot more of a, an off guard who is going to kill in transition. He's going to live at the line in the NBA and you hope can shoot at a high enough clip to be a solid half court player. That's sort of your hope for him. I think there's real all-star upside with Ivy but I think there is a surprising amount of downside in a bit of a different way. I think we always do this where it's like high athlete. That means high ceiling and low floor. I don't real. that's not really what I mean with Ivy. When I say high ceiling, kind of low floor, it's more that he's a very specific type of athlete. And with his limitations, it, it worries me that the limitations combine to keep him sort of in a box as a player. And I'm not sure how he can get out of it. And it just makes team building a little harder. You know, if he could play the one, if I really thought, you know, just one of the craft or the burst or or the passing were there and he could maybe play the one a little bit, I think that would be, uh, that would have boosted him way up my board. I would have been way higher on it. But I think him having to be a two and a score first two, it's just, it's just a little harder on team building. But he is an awesome prospect, an awesome athlete, one of the best watches in this class. You like cool dunks and just just things that kind of make you rewind the tape and just go like, I don't even know how that happened, but he's, he's someone who I'm always a little bit more careful and, and scrutinous with sort of the top guys in a class. And he's someone who I think the closer you look at some of his micro skills, the lower you might get on him. He's somebody to me that for a team to take him, sell themselves on taking him in the top two or three, you have to sell yourself on him being a point guard. I think. Like that's what allows him to maximize that value that justifies that high of a pick. If you're an NBA team that doesn't think he can be, you know, at least a part-time one that probably moves him down your board to your point, because now you have to put him next to a very specific type of player. And I don't really even know exactly what that sort of perfect backcourt mate would look like for him, but he's a decent shooter, probably a better catch and shoot three-point shooter, I would say, than somebody off the dribble. But to me, like the defense is not very good most of the time, but is that because it's just like a really tough situation for Purdue to defend with like two behemoths and he's got to fight through every screen. So like I, I maybe give him a little bit of a pass on some of that stuff. He makes some really good passes, I think, but isn't like a consistently good passer. And to me, if he could be a one, even in some context, like Purdue would have done everything in their power to make him a one this year, just because their point cards, like this isn't a, he's next to severe Wheeler and they're clearly our best guy. So we have to play them together. They're playing like two average rotation level college players at the point because Ivy really kind of can't so far. So I'm with you that he's not there, but I think if you want him to maximize his value, he kind of has to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even I would argue that their two starting guards are probably below average Big Ten yeah, guards. Yeah, I think no, I, I think mean, you're hundred percent. That's fair. But yeah, I for me, Ivy's. You mentioned the defense and and sort of kind of why he can't play the one. I, he can't decelerate at all, and it shows up on defense and it shows up on offense too. Like on defense, he's really susceptible to sort of hard change of direction. If you watch him against Illinois, I think that was the most telling game for me on his defense. Alfonso Plummer and uh, Trent Frazier could get him on crossovers or kind of stop on a dime hesitations pretty much every time because he just he gets going in one way and he can't slow down. And I'm not an expert. I'm not sure that's something the NBA can fix, but it's worrying for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why like he, he doesn't really have a mid game because his only move in the pick and roll is I'm either going to get right to the rim or he's going to try and put his guy in jail. Mm-hmm. And 
he, because he's not super bursty, if he puts his guy in jail, he's not going to then blow by the big. Yeah. And sort of he, he puts takes his guy in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tough shot. Or oh, you mentioned his nice passes. I think he does have the pocket pass or sort of some lobs to bigs. He doesn't play with bigs who are going to go catch lobs. But sure. I, I think he can be an okay pick and roll passer. But I just worry that if he can't slow down, a team is going to be content with a Jaden Ivy mid-range shot every single time. So if he's just going to put the guy in jail and take a mid-range shot or a floater, I just, I, I just, for me, like you said, I just don't see him as a one and he's still a good prospect as a two, but he's a less, he's not like a top five guy for me. If he's a two, it, it hurts the versatility there. Like you said, you have to have a specific sort of fit for him. To me, he can like air quotes, play the one on a team where he doesn't have to be like the main offense initiator, you know, like if he played next to a guy that's, I don't know, like a point forward or a Luca or somebody that like does a lot of the creation for their team. Could you roll uh Jaden Ivy out there as like the air quotes one? Yeah, for sure. But how many teams that are going to be drafting in the top five or six can afford to kind of put him in a situation where somebody else does the majority of the creating, I would think is probably the question. Just Again, the Pistons, probably. Yeah, exactly. Next to Cade. Honestly, that 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 maybe is the ideal fit for 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 him and for a team. This is not to say that we don't think Jaden Ivey is a good player, by the way, before anybody gets mad at us. He's like super good and we're nitpicking like at somebody super good. But it, to my original point of will he jump up somebody's board into like the top three, that's kind of what you have to see to, to justify that, I think. For sure. Like that's with the top guys for me, I'm always going to be more nitpicky. You know, it, we could have done all this, this pinpointing stuff with Walker Kessler, but we didn't because he's not going to go top five in this draft. It's important to get the top of your draft board right. And and that's how I view that. So when everybody is still on the board, you know, you have to put more scrutiny into the guys you take. I, I think that's totally fair. Staying with somebody that's sort of in that general range too. Uh, number two, Duke play, takes on uh, number 15 CSUF at 7, 10 PM. Paulo Banquero, again, we're not going to do like a deep dive on Paulo because there's almost no chance he's available to the Wizards. I'm like irrationally high on Paulo, and I think it's become cool to like hate on him. So I'm not even going to get too far into it here, but he's really good. If you haven't seen him, watch him and stay for all the rest of the other potential pros on the Duke roster here. The one that I think could potentially be attainable for the Wizards, although probably not, is AJ Griffin. He's an, uh, he'll be almost 19 on draft night, but he'll still be an 18 year old, which is always a good sign. He's a small forward, averages about 10 and a half points a game, about four rebounds. And he's been just like a lights out shooter at almost uh, 50%. He's like 47 and change, I think, right now on four attempts a game. He's a 76% free throw shooter. What do you make of AJ Griffin? I, this is there's, every year there's a guy that somebody says is the next Kawhi. I've heard that a couple of times with Griffin already. Like, wh- where should we be looking at Griffin on draft night? Griffin is awesome. He is really, really good at the sport of basketball. That's the easiest way. That's yeah. the easiest way to put it. When he was 16 playing EYBL, he was approaching Michael Porter Jr. levels of unguardable. Mm-hmm. Just if you go back and watch, I mean, some of the stuff he was doing, just you don't see 16-year-olds do. And I think if he would have been healthy for his junior and senior year, he would have come into this draft as the surefire, no doubt about it, number one overall pick. I, I really have no doubt. I that. like it. The Duke context has been weird. He's come off the injury and he's looked like he's coming off an injury at times. He's looked a little slower, a little hesitant. I don't think he is. I, I actually think, you know, I brought up Michael Porter Jr. I, I think that's almost a good role comparison, mm-hmm. uh, if not an efficacy comparison, because I think uh, off ball shooter, I, I think, uh, and people were mad at me for this on Twitter. They were very mad. I think there's an argument that he can, the, in, in short time, he's going to be a top 10 shooter on the planet, like especially it. for his, for his size and age. We just, he shot 40% from throughout the his high base, school. Like the, the spread out leg situation doesn't worry you at all. No, because he's proven he could shoot it without that too. He's hit some step backs where the legs come together. I don't know why he has such a wide base, but at, at a certain point, he's shooting almost 50% from three on high volume. And he shot above 40% from three across amateur ranks, which is the best shooters on earth did not shoot above 40% from three when they were 16. It just doesn't happen. It's, it's very, very rare. Um, and it's just, I, I bet on that track record. And then he's also an interesting athlete. He's kind of bursty, not incredibly. So he's going to attack closeouts, really good two foot leaper, not a great one foot leaper. You know, I don't think 
I, I think he can be a really, really effective off-ball player with some potential ISO scoring with, with step backs and, and pull-ups and such. And then it's just sort of a question of how good is he as a defender? And I, I think he can be fine. Um, he's, he's not smart. smart he knows how to play. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like that, that allows him, I think, to, to be a good defender. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think, you know, he's, he's generally in the right spot. He doesn't get a ton of steals or blocks, but also Duke, you know, we talked about this with, um, with Auburn Duke is kind of similar where they're content to just sort of let guys drive by them right to Mark Williams, because Mark Williams just eats small, smaller guards alive when they try to finish. So yeah, Mark Williams ate up the ACC this year. Really Some did. of the most fascinating room protection tape I've ever seen. But yeah, I, I really like AJ Griffin. I would probably take him top five in this draft, maybe even top three, uh, because age plus shooting track record. So, I mean, he's a wing too. Like there's no more valuable position than Agreed. someone who, because he, to me, is a comfortable, he is a three in the NBA. This, Probably this a, is the clean fit right now. Like mm-hmm. this is what he projects as. You can see it. Yeah. So I just, I, I just really like him. And I think, I think the Duke context has, has maybe hurt him as a draft prospect, but I, I think it's maybe been good for him to just sort of learn how to play off ball and he's got to come into it slowly, but you see moments where he has big games, uh, you know, and he's driving to the rim and he's making passes and he's scoring off the bounce. Those flashes for me are enough to also take the soundness of his off ball game and, and what he does offer defensively and, combine that to see a, a top five caliber pick. So I think Griffin, similar to Kendall Brown, for me as, as sort of an outside Wizards fan, but I, I like it because I like this podcast. Um, Washington to Washington of, connection, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Washington State, D.C., not, not too far, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, those are the type of bets I want the Wizards to make if that guy is at 10 or 12 or wherever they're picking because – there's upside, but there's also some security and there's some fit with the roster. I think it's the perfect blend of that for a team like the Wizards. If you're the Wizards and you're slotted at 10, is he the guy you would be willing to like trade a couple spots up for? Like if he's still on the board at six, is he make the most sense of those kind of guys that you would try to maybe make a move up? Yes, I would. I would say pretty comfortably. Um, I'm, I'm higher on Griffin than most. I currently have him at three on my board in sort of a tier of his there own. But yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of for me for the Wizards to probably be him or Johnny Davis mm-hmm. would be the guys I'd be willing to package and, and trade up for. But definitely, I, if you could get him in a Wizards jersey, do it. Unless you have to trade. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Not, I mean, even veel like, uh, it's, no, I don't know. <laughs> totally different yeah. can of worms that I yeah, won't no open kidding. up here because everyone will also get mad at us again. Okay. So that's the case for AJ Griffin. The case against here, there is like some injury stuff here. And he dislocated a knee, which is not, I think, a great long-term thing because there's all kinds of other side issues that come with that. And I think he's had just like other sort of lower leg stuff since then. There was like a knee sprain early in his tenure at Duke. You know, that maybe slowed him down coming out of the gates here. So I do wonder sometimes like how much of it is he didn't get like the same kind of like integration period that these other Duke players got. Like he had to come in and fill a role after people had kind of like carved out a niche. But how much of it is just like he can't yet because of the knee? Like those are all things like I don't know that that's the case or I'm not even necessarily sure. I think that's the case, but it is like enough of a question mark. It would make me kind of nervous. Yeah. The knee is definitely something I'd want to hear is cleared because we've even seen with Michael Porter jr. Right. It's like the back big issue. And then we thought for a couple of years, Oh, it's not. And then kind of is now after you give him his max contract, Um, you'd want to get that kind of cleared. I also think there's a chance that Griffin jr. Was probably, maybe healthy a little bit during his senior year and kind of was just like, I, I don't need to, there's yeah. nothing left for me to prove. He committed to Duke after his sophomore season. So mm-hmm. he did not really have a ton left to prove. And he was training with his dad uh, in Tampa with the Raptors. So that was kind of probably better for him. I think he struggles a little bit with kind of stamina. You can see him slow down as he plays large minutes and that does worry me. And I think some of it is just, you know, Trevor Keels had already established himself as a worthwhile perimeter creator for this team. Uh, Jeremy Roach was, is their go-to point guard. And then Wendell Moore had stepped up into, I think, sort of the role Griffin maybe expected for himself. Agreed. So Junior, you know, at first was, okay, well, I'm going to be a spot-up shooter. Luckily, I'm maybe the best player at college basketball in that. 
So he had that down and then just sort of finding his offense from there. And he's had moments where I'm trying to think of, he had one big game in the ACC tournament and I'm blanking on against uh, on who it was against. He but, had 18 against Miami, like pretty early into that yeah. game. And then I feel like he finished at 20. So he sort of petered out, I want to say, but uh, he he's just a guy that like, he's pretty safe to me as long as the knee checks out, because like you said, the shooting is going to translate. He's a good athlete. I think he might be like a slightly overrated athlete because he'll, he'll make some like high right highlight real dunks, but also isn't like, I don't know, going to come in day one and be like a Kendall Brown kind of athlete. So you mentioned the coach's son thing. His dad is an assistant coach for, for the Raptors. And obviously NBA guys always love coach's son, you know, high basketball IQ knows the game, that kind of stuff. So I think that alone will kind of move him up, you know, a a little bit on the, um, on the depth chart for people too, but he does just sort of like fade sometimes into the background. I don't know if that's a Duke thing. I don't know if that's a mentality thing as a wizards fan. Like I'm inclined to think that Rui Hachimura could do more, but maybe doesn't have the personality for it. I guess I wonder for Griffin, like if you could do more and actually think Duke would be better if he did more than average, you know, 10 ish a game, like why doesn't he, again, that's another thing I would question. And this is a, probably another nitpick, but uh, he, he's still really good, obviously. Yeah, no, I definitely think there's reason to be worried with Griffin jr. And that's why he's not, he's Three, not one of the top yeah. guys. Yeah. Like, um, but for me, it's just the age, the shooting and, just the general, just the moments that he has of I'm with you where he's not an elite athlete, but he's also six, seven, what, two twenty five, two thirty. He's a big solid boy that can come in yeah. right away and, and not be bossed around. Yeah. So I just think all that combines for me to be a, like I said, the perfect mix of, of safe. Like, you know, he's going to provide if he's healthy, I'm confident he will provide starter level level value at the three in the NBA. But there is there are paths to upside for him. So that combines for me to be a worthwhile guy at the top of this draft. He's probably on on like the top two of my wish list for the Wizards. Like on one hand, if he fell to 10, it's probably because somebody's worried about the knee, which would scare me. But uh, if there was a way to go up and get him, I think he's one of the few people I would be interested in doing that for. All right, next guy on the Duke roster that I think we've already mentioned a couple times here, but I really enjoy watching. Again, sucker for that kind of big man. But Mark Williams, he's a 20-year-old sophomore. He's seven feet tall. He averaged 11 points, seven and a half rebounds, about three blocks a game. He's a decent free throw shooter, which maybe means he has some touch there, which you don't really see a ton of at Duke. But just go back and watch the Gonzaga game for anybody. Like he really changed that game with like his size and length. Like that that alone is like a testament to what will get him drafted somewhere in the first round. But uh, I'm, I'm like a big Mark Williams fan. He, he's not going to be at the very least. He's Clint Capella, you know, like he blocks some shots. He rolls to the rim. He catches some lobs and maybe he could do a little bit more, but the guy runs really hard. Like I think just like beating your guy down the floor is a skill. And that that alone can get you on an NBA court. And I think Mark Williams can do that. I don't think he'll probably ever like shoot it, shoot it. But if he could be respectable, that's that's like icing on the cake to me. What do you think of Mark Williams? Yeah, so he's one of the more interesting guys I've I've watched recently because I think something I'm trying to get better at is evaluating sort of the micro skills that go into rim protection. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's really easy to see someone is huge they have long arms and they can jump a little bit. And then, but I've been trying to get better at uh, watching sort of the individual possession by possession. How are they affecting guys as they drive? Williams is interesting to me because I think he does a lot of the little things well. And he's obviously, you know, he is 6'11 with a, they say all the time, 7'7 wingspan. You hear Jay Billis say it every single time he can. (laughs) Um, But I do worry about his jumping. He is a major load leaper. He has to really load up to jump. He's been beat quite a few times by sort of quick finishes, um, floaters that can get over him. Um, And then that also hurts him mostly more than on defense as an offensive player, because he's not just, he's an okay lob threat, but he's not just getting up all the time to really 
throw things down. I Not think JaVale McGee kind of, you know, athlete yeah. like that or, sort of thing. Or sort of guy in this class, Christian Coloco, I think is a little I would definitely want that. to talk about him later. Today. Yes. Um, but yeah, Williams for me is just, I, I like him. I'm, I'm just worried that he's just, if he's just not quite the rim protector, we hope he is, then he's probably not a, a, like a real high level guy. Um, the passing is okay. I think he has moments as a passer, uh, but I don't know. A lot of that is sort of high, low passing. I'm not confident he's going to get a ton of high, low looks. Mm-hmm. I think your major hope for Williams is that he can develop a mid range shot, um, makes him more deadly in the pick and roll. Cause he can pop a little bit. Uh, makes guys respect him. He can take advantage of that passing. And then that he can be that not only a rim protector, but also he's such a big body. Like he's the guy you're like, okay, we can put him on Joel Embiid or someone like that. He's, he's not Deandre Ayton physically, but he's closer than uh, like a Clint Capella. Cause Clint Capella is skinny and probably only like six, nine, six, 10. Like Mark Williams is legit 6'11, yeah, strong. Yeah. yeah. Uh just a just a big boy. So I think my hope is that the post defense is good enough that he figures out a role there. Uh the rim protection gets to the level it needs to, even though I don't think I don't think he's ever going to be like a super, super high level rim protector. And then that he can develop a shot and take advantage of his passing that way. So a couple of things need to go for him, but I don't think any of those are out of reach by any means. He's interesting. He's someone who I've had a tough time figuring out where exactly I want to put him on my board, but he's definitely good, definitely draftable. And I think he's probably going to have a role in the league, even if that role is as a backup. Yeah, for me, this isn't somebody I would consider in the top 20, but anywhere after that, I think you could start to make a case for. And then the last guy, again, don't want to spend too much time here, but I've just become like a really big Wendell Moore fan recently because I just like guys that do a lot of things. And and sometimes you get kind of shit on for that as like, oh, he doesn't do anything particularly well. But I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to be able to like be flexible or malleable to whatever team you end up on. Like he he's a guy that creates for them. He defends some for them, although it's a little streaky sometimes. He can shoot it. He's a good athlete. Like to me, if if you're looking for a wing, I don't know, and he's available in the second round somewhere more somebody I'd at least be uh, kind of keeping an eye on. Yeah. I really like Wendell Moore too. Um, I have some worries. He's sort of a jack of all trade and master of none type and that he doesn't have anything he can really hang his hat on. But mm-hmm. I just think there's value to being good at everything. Yeah, I have, I have no doubts. He's going to hit spot ups in the NBA at a solid rate. Um, I think there's some, you know, pull up equity there. He's looked really comfortable in the mid range this year. Uh, he's a good cutter though. He doesn't do it a ton with Duke's sort of uh, spacing issues at times. He doesn't cut a ton, but when he does, I think he's a good cutter. The defense is solid. He's a little slow. He's definitely a three in the NBA, but he is only like six, five, probably six, four, six, five. So, you know, you sort of do have to reconcile that, but he has long arms and he's strong. He's just good at everything. He's, he's a solid bet to make in that sort of you know, probably 15 to 30 range somewhere in there. He's definitely a first round guy for me. Um, there's some downside there that is just, he doesn't shoot at a high enough level and he's not a good enough defender that he just doesn't have that upside, but he's just so solid. It's hard for me to bet against that. And he's still young. He's really young for a junior. So, yeah, I want to say he's almost the exact same age as Ty Ty Washington for context, which like to the day, <laughs> like it's pretty darn close. Um, so, so that alone, I think, uh, you know, gives you some amount of like wiggle room, I think, to envision him being able to do more. For me, if this makes any sense, like he's a guy I'll give a first round grade to, but I wouldn't want to draft in the first round. I think he'd be like a super value guy in the second. Keeping it moving here, uh, number six, LSU takes on number 11, Iowa State, 7.20 p.m. Terry Eason, he's very, very interesting to me. So I, I'm I'm going to throw him out here and I'd love just you to tell me where I'm wrong on this, but Again, 21 year old sophomore, six foot eight, averages 17 points, about seven rebounds, one block, two steals, two turnovers, about 36 from three on like two ish, two and a half attempts, almost an 80% free throw shooter, which he gets to the line a good amount, which is good. All right. So the case for here is physical tools. He can defend multiple positions. He gets to the free throw line. He's shooting better and better as the year goes on. Uh, he's good at attacking bigger guys off the dribble. He's good in transition. He can make some like interesting passes here and there. And he just seems to be the guy that like makes plays, but the 
downside here in the case against, I guess, is one, sometimes he looks totally lost. Two, he fouls a lot. I don't think people who see highlights of him realize that he's come off the bench basically to be like a backup center for them all year, which is a little weird to me. And he like physically is incapable of driving left. Like he cannot do it. I I watch enough LSU games at this point. Like, again, this worries me as like a Denny Avdia watcher to have another player who can only dribble in one direction. So, but the potential to be a good defender here might be special with him. So like, where, where are you on Eason? So I really like Tari Eason. Uh, he's he's one of my guys in this class, I think, okay. partially because he's from the Pacific Northwest. So that go. obviously like uh, always always lean towards those guys. But he is just a, a bet on outlier tools mixed with skills and, and competitiveness. He is really obviously competitive on the floor. LSU's defense is really, really weird because there are times, especially him and whoever he's playing with as the other forward are almost in like a matchup zone. Yeah. Because he's never chasing guys around the perimeter. They always need him low. Even if Efton Reed, who is their offensive center, is out there, they will have Efton Reed on the perimeter so Tari can be there to protect the rim because he is their only sort of above-average rim protector. But he's good at that. And I think if he was on the perimeter more, we'd see him be a good perimeter defender. If you go back and watch him at Cincinnati, he was really, really good at that. He's he's laterally quick and he's huge. Uh, he's he's like six eight six nine and strong. I think he can be like a legit wing stopper type guy in the NBA with the good off ball instincts. The offense is a question, but I think the shooting indicators for me are enough as well as with the improvement path that he's on to buy him as a shooter, at least in spot ups. And he's even flat, like he shot some pull-ups this year. If guys go way under screens. And then I think the passing is better than that assist turnover sells it as because it's that LSU is kind of weird and sloppy and LSU can't shoot. Yeah. They, uh, he makes so many fun passes that end in bricks, which is <laughs> that's college basketball. We saw sure. it with Cade last year. Um, I almost never use assists as a proxy for being a good passer. Agreed. I think he's going to be a good passer in the NBA, even though I, I, I think he's probably going to be an over aggressive passer. <laughs> if I'm being honest, that just, that's his mentality. He is aggressive. And you talked about, how you were worried with the wizards that your guys are too passive. You're that's not Tari. <laughs> will never be the case. Yeah. Tari will drive through guys and he's strong. He can, he, he can finish if he gets to his right hand pretty much all the time because he's super crafty with the right hand and strong and he's athletic. The left, <laughs> the left hand does worry me a little bit, but I'm I not think... exaggerating that. Right. Have you ever seen him like just straight up drive left? No, he has, he has, made some like change of direction moves to his left. So there's at least that, but I think, but yeah, no, it's, it's fair. He's very, very right-hand dominant. I think I have hope that he can, he has a good enough handle. So even if he's not driving left to finish left, he has a good enough handle to create space that he can probably drive left and get into a mid ranger, or you have to respect him enough that he can make a pass. I just, I, I, I think, I buy all the sort of miscellaneous parts with Tari coming together, but I'm also willing to acknowledge that they are sort of miscellaneous parts that don't always coalesce into a, a whole right now. They're, they're different players, but for me, he's my Franz Wagner for this year from the sense that he's a guy I wasn't super high on coming into the year. And then I feel like people like pick down so much of what he doesn't do well, or the numbers or those kinds of things like the, shooting percentage or or one or two different flaws that like people kind of became, I don't know, like overly critical of some of those things. And to me, I don't know where he stands out sort of analytically if he's one of those guys, but if you average a block and like multiple steals and things like that, like he's got physical tools to be like a special defender. And I'm also not like, yeah, it'd be great if he could go left, but he also is so effective going right that it's not like, like, I, I don't know, again, the Denny comparison here, like he can only go right because nobody like every, but, but you're not going to stop Eason the same way. Like he's, he's a better athlete. He shoots it a little better. He's a guy like, I'm just sort of slowly coming around on more as the year goes on here. I don't really know what he is. I think he's probably best suited as a four, I think, to be honest, like but could guard multiple positions. But offensively, I think you want him maybe as a four to kind of best maximize what he does well. Like the ball handling would be less of a concern if he could just blow by uh, other sort of bigger players. So he'll be interesting. 
All right, let's pivot to the next guy here. I really want to get your opinion on number one, Arizona again against TBD. Uh, they have one of the play in game winners, which is yet to be decided at the time of our recording at 7 27 p.m. on Friday. Benedict Matherin. This is a guy I, I paid no attention to last year. I will fully admit I didn't know anything about him. A friend had to tell me about him, and I still kind of didn't get it. And I've just become like a really big fan over the course of the year. 20-year-old wing, he's probably 6'6", I would say. Average about 17.5 points, 5.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1 steal, 1-ish turnover. Is a 38% 3-point shooter on about 6 attempts, and he's a 76% free throw shooter. What do you think of Matherin? So first I'll say I've stood next to Matherin, probably not 6'6", six, six, probably six, more five, like 6'4 six, six, Yeah, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, yeah, okay. something like that. But it's a little concerning for, for us as a fan base that needs like a real three. But yeah, I, I, I would not bet on him as a three, if I'm okay. being honest. But mm-hmm. going to the positive, he is, I, he is the definition of explosive in just almost every way. He's an explosive shooter with off-ball movement. He's an explosive finisher at the rim. He had this one dunk in the Pac-12 tournament. I think it was against Stanford, which ended up being a close game where Coloco passed him as he baseline cut and off one foot, he like, and this is in the half court, full back scratcher, two hand dunk over someone. And it's just like, that's just not something you see from six, five guys very often. You know, we talked about Chayak Baji being an awesome athlete, like, Matherin is even an even more explosive finisher around the rim. He's a good cutter. Oh, that go dunk you mentioned, I just, for everybody, I am going to post this with an article for Bullets Forever and the picture I use, the stock footage, uh, is that dunk. It will be the one Absolutely. that shows up next to Matherin. So that's a yeah, great call. No, it's, yeah, it was, well, I was watching that game uh, on, because I'm a Pac-12 guy. Uh, I've seen Matherin live. I, I follow the Pac-12 very closely. And yeah, I was watching that game as it happened. And just, it's just one of those moments you just shake your head. You're like, that's not, this is not something you see. He can go on stretches where he is consistently the most electric player on the court. It's going to be said about most top 10 picks, but his are so like special. So when he was here against WSU, he went on a 11-0 run all by himself, three straight super contested threes. And then a, a transition dunk where he hung on the rim for about three seconds afterwards because he just he knew he put the game away in that in that one stretch and it's it's just really impressive stuff. He can really really shoot. The passing is good. The ball handling is meh. I think I, I don't think you, mm-hmm. for him to be like the best version of him. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm ever gonna bet on him as a go to guy in an offense, but I think he is a great bet to be a awesome off-ball player who can be your safety valve. And there's even a bit more upside for him to be a full-on secondary creator because the passing is really good, even if the handle isn't. So if you're betting on the shot being enough that he doesn't ever have to have a complex handle, he can just get mostly straight line drives or, or one triple moves. That I think I think there's a lot there. And then defensively, he's good. He's not great. He's a little skinny, but he's long. He's super athletic and he likes to jump passing lanes. He's someone who is specifically good at jumping passing lanes because he really wants to go out and dunk. Fast break. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's also another specific skill of his that I found funny. I just mentioned this in, in the latest pod was he's like specifically really good at uh, tip dunks. Mm. And it made me think like, like if, if you're just more athletic than everyone in high school, I wonder if you just get really good at tip dunks because yeah. there's no better feeling on earth than a tip dunk. It's, it's, it's the highlight of my life. I have one. It's, yeah, the, it's awesome. the best thing ever. I don't think in my prime I could have done that on a nine foot hoop. So I, I will never know that. Maybe even an eight foot hoop. I will never know that feeling. But I agree with everything you said. The two three thing is kind of weird. Maybe he could be situationally a three with the right team. I, I don't know. I, maybe that's sort of unimportant at this point, the way the NBA is played. But if he were like two inches taller, I do think this is a guy we'd be talking about at like six and seven as opposed to 10 through 12. Uh, yeah, for sure. If he was. If he was six, seven, six, eight, I mean, he'd be almost a completely different player, right? But I, I think he could probably situationally play the three if you're a team that has good rim protection. You know, I, I've seen there's been plenty of teams like the the Jazz play six, four and a half Royce O'Neal at the three all the time, and they're pretty good. They're, they're okay, yeah. So <laughs> obviously that's Rudy Gobert, but I still think he's long enough that I think he can 
at least guard some some skinnier threes. Yeah. You're not you're never going to put them on LeBron or Kawhi, but sure. I, I think there's some situational versatility there. The next guy here, just his teammate, and, and again, we'll keep this real quick. Uh, Christian Coloco, 22 year old shot blocker, seven foot one ish center, 12 points, seven rebounds, almost three blocks a game, decent free throw shooter. I guess the question here is the similar guys we've talked about today, specifically Walker Kessler, Mark Williams, Christian Coloco. If you had to rank those three, what order would you put them in? This is tough. I would probably go Coloco. Kessler Williams. Same. I think that's my same order. I, I really, really like Coloco. I think he is aside from Chet, the best bet in this class to be a consistent all defense type guy. Mm-hmm. He's long, he's quick. Like his short area quickness is really, really impressive. He'll bother guards on the perimeter. If you know, he's not going to stay with them for long ISOs, but not enough, yeah. Mm-hmm, enough that he can there's some situational versatility. He he's really good at the nuances of rim protection. His footwork is great. Um, stepping into blocks. He doesn't keep it in in bounds like Kessler, but other than that, he can work on it. And then he just he gets up the quickest of all of them. And I think for me, when I'm trying to predict who is going to be the best of a set of good college players, uh, good college rim protectors, I mean, I'm going to bet on the one who just gets off the ground the quickest because if you can get off the ground quick and you're as long and tall as he is, you're going to be a good lob threat. So challenge a lot of stuff too. mm -hmm. I just I just really like Coloco. He's probably going to end up like a borderline top 20 guy for me. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I'm becoming more and more a fan as I get more and more into the Pac-12 here. All right, last guy. I know you watched a good amount of this person uh, recently too. Number three, Wisconsin takes on number 14, Colgate, 9.50 p.m. This is the last of our guys we're going to talk about. I think he's another popular name with Wizards fans. Johnny Davis, 20-year-old, sophomore, 6'5", maybe-ish shooting guard. Uh, 19.7 points a game, 8.2 rebounds, which is awesome. Uh, 2.2 assists, one steal, two turnovers. Only a little below 32% from three on only three and a half attempts, but he is close to an 80% free throw shooter on a lot of attempts. So I do buy that maybe there's some touch and stuff there. What do you make of Johnny Davis? Uh, like wh- where where is he on your board? All that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm high on Johnny Davis, but I am worried about like being too high on him. He's <laughs> So something we discussed in the pod where we talked about Johnny Davis was I think there's a shot making spectrum, right? Yeah. Of of prospects who make their sell on being excellent tough shot makers. Mm-hmm. You know, on one end you have like Austin Rivers and and uh you know um James Young type guys. And then on one end you have like Devin Booker and Debbie Lillard mm-hmm. and those type of guys. And it's it's sometimes hard to determine where someone falls in that range. He definitely watches Devin Booker play basketball. Yes. A lot. Oh no. Yeah. You could tell he watches a lot of Devin Booker. Probably probably big Kobe fan too. Um, I, I've said like Bradley Beal's new sort of style of play is is a comparison to a lot of mid range. He does create a little bit. Like the assists aren't super high, but I think that's he can the pass. product of the team. I, I think he can really pass. Okay. I, I think he's closer to Devin Booker as a passer than Bradley Beal. If I'm being honest, um, I think his passing is really what sells him for me as like, I can be high on him because uh, he he's like, like super ambidextrous. It's really interesting. Um, he throws left hand, right hand, skip passes all the time. Uh, he might pass better as a lefty than a righty. Honestly. honestly. Yeah. He doesn't finish better as a lefty because he has no explosion off his right leg. <laughs> he's, he's, Fair. he's an interesting test case. You know, people always think of handedness, but you also have a dominant leg footed. And, yeah. and, and he's very much like you could tell because he's clearly ambidextrous the ball handler passer and even a, a finisher, like he'll pull out lefty floaters. But when it comes to right around the rim, there's one leg he's getting off to, to almost try and dunk on someone. And there's one leg he's barely a foot off the ground. So, um, but yeah, I, I really like Johnny Davis. I think the sell is that you can eventually extend out all the tough mid rangers to three. Uh, Cause he has some, like he'll hit step backs and side steps, And those are awesome shots, but in the NBA, they're not valuable, but if he can extend that out to three, you're suddenly talking about an all-star caliber player. And he's also a good defender. We didn't, you know, don't talk about, talk about that too much, but yeah. I like his defense a lot. And like I said, I buy the passing. Uh, he would be a really interesting fit in Washington. I've, I'm banging the drum for him to end up in uh, Indiana 
But I like that too. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Johnny Davis a lot, but there is a chance that he ends up as like an Austin Rivers type in the NBA because it's just, if he's not that level of shot maker that he's shown over this one generally small sample size college season, then he's suddenly not the prospect we all hope he is. Yeah, the case against here, right, is like, why has he had to take so many tough shots? I do think some of that is is the team. And some of that is, you know, sometimes somebody has to take the shot, even if they're tough, it gives you stuff to rebound. It gives you, you know, opportunities to kind of make plays off of a missed shot too. He's a little streaky, but again, like if you could just isolate and and get a bucket, like you have to make tough shots. Right. And, and I think that's, that is a skill and you can kind of work on the other stuff. So if, if he's a guy that's available at like 10 and he ends up a wizard, even if the fit doesn't make a ton of sense, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't call that like a, a, a bad draft for them. Yeah, for sure. And, and he's, a, he's the type of guy where I think he can be good enough that you just figure out the fit, right? It's it's the same with like the Cavs when they drafted Darius Garland. And you think they're upset they drafted Darius Garland yeah, at this point? Okay. Yeah, just there's some guys where I think fit matters. And then there's some where if the upside is there, you just, you just bet on them. Uh, and I think that's Davis. If he's, if you have a two guard in place, uh, he's strong enough. He can maybe play the three and he's a good enough passer that if you have other ball handlers, you could probably put him at the one too. He's positionally versatile and you just, the upside is real with him. He is a potential. He's one of, you know, every draft has a few all-stars, even the bad ones. He's one of the guys in this class I could see working up to an all-star caliber impact on a, on, on a, on the right team. Yeah. I think he's, he's either that or he's like, a good seventh man. So like even at the end of the day, like he's still a productive player for you. Bryce, this has been great. Thank you so much. I mean, uh, th- this is way better than I would have been able to put together on my own. I have a ton of respect for how much like work and effort you put into this and your ability to remember all these things about all these different guys is awesome too. So uh, thank you again for for coming on and, and doing both episodes here. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Again, thank you for thinking of me. It's always fun to, to get invited on these things. Um, this has been this has been a blast, and I I think we've had some good discourse too. It's always fun to have a little bit of uh, of pushback and then to talk about general consensus too. So it's been a blast. One more time, where can everybody find your work? Yeah, uh, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Koo Center if you're interested in uh, college basketball or or if you want to learn a little bit about offensive defensive scheme that type of stuff. And then uh, I host the Upside Swings NBA Draft podcast. So. As the draft sort of wrap, ramps up uh, and you want to learn more, there's stuff there. We're probably going to have Matt on again to talk about the Wizards at some point. So uh, that'll be exciting. I look forward to it, especially if we actually do something good in the draft this year too. Everybody, this has been Believe in Wizards. You should know what to expect from, from draft prospects that make sense for the Wizards now, Thursday and Friday, the first round. So check these guys out, watch some prospects, come back with some questions. We'll do deeper dives into some of these specific guys as we get closer Wizards aren't super good right now after that Portland loss. So we have something hopeful to look forward to maybe with the 10th pick. Again, uh, we've been presented by betonline.ag. We'll check you guys next time. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done